As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Welcome back. We missed you. I still oh, did two I still you. did two pods last week. Well, I kept my streak alive. What was your second one? Uh, he just posted. I, I jumped on with Combo's Court. Nice. He was a he was a professional basketball player in Europe. Is that right? Okay. What did you guys? Did you guys talk about the Thunder? That's what you guys did. Oh, uh, we did. We did. Nice. Yeah. So give and you'll if if you listen to it, you'll because I'll be honest. I'm a I'm a casual when it comes to evaluating players' defense. <laughs> and so at Aren't some point all? he yeah. <laughs> at some point he asked me what I thought about Giddy's off ball defense. Yeah. I just made something up. So if you listen in, if you listen to it, just know that I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I was just making stuff up at that point. Because like it's very hard to. I can't think of a game. I would have to focus just on Josh yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. Like obviously, I know what he looks like on ball because you know he's get, he's involved in a lot of plays. Well, the, off ball. The, the big problem is that they don't really do much with him off ball because they usually put him on guys that are parked. Right, yeah. So he's usually standing on the corner. He's more looking to be a helper than he is anything else and to close out on the corners. I mean, that's as as long as they're playing a team that does that, that's what he does. As well, perfect. Today. That's exactly what I said. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Uh, good loss last night, right? Great loss. Uh, yeah, I would just say a good game in general. It was just yeah. an entertaining watch, and they've been entertaining over this uh, on uh, since uh, Gabriel Dick got out of here. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you just need a deck to get out of the way in order to enjoy this team. Uh, yeah, they've been very watchable as of late. Yeah, uh, outside of you know some individual quarters sure. where they just don't want to play, but yeah. yeah, last night, I mean, front to back, just an entertaining game the whole time. Shea was awesome last night. He was intent on getting to the bucket. He finished with 32 points on 22 attempts, only two threes. He was great. He was very good. And I, I went back and rewatched them all. And he was doing it against pretty much everyone on the Wizards. The, sure. the, the one guy, if I had to say, like, who did the best job on Shea, it was probably Kuzma. Kuz is good. Kuz is good. The Lakers could use Kuz. Use Kuz. Uh, you know who wasn't good? Daniel Gafford. Hey. Against she- Shea. <laughs> I, I, Shout I texted out Seth you last Partner. Night. Yeah, because if, if you haven't listened yet, uh, Sam Vecini and Seth Partner did a 2019 redraft. Yeah. 
and Seth was he I don't think he was serious at three, but he did act like he was considering Daniel Gafford at three over Garland. He said oh, he would take Garland, man. but then he did take him at five, which makes me think he would have taken him at four. Yeah. He would have and over like, you know, Tyler Hero. I mean, I mean, there there were still some names in that draft. It's not a great draft. So, like, it's not the craziest thing in the world. Oh, it's crazy. It is absolutely <laughs> insane. Oh, I was if trying you, to be. Nice. If you took but, him at like 16 or 17, like, sure. Yes. Like, because even someone like Cam Reddish, who hasn't been as good as Daniel Gafford. Like, if yeah. you redo that draft, how many teams are going to take Daniel Gafford over Cam Reddish just just because like when is is Daniel Gafford going to be a top 15 center in the league no like he probably he's, not. he's probably fine although I will yeah. say last night and it, he did pick up two early fouls but like there were some of those shade drives where he was sort of defending yeah. but really just like getting out of the way elegantly right yeah, he, he he did not impress me. However, Kuz I mean, big time impressed me. Oh yeah, Kuz is great. I mean, PJ Washington is somebody like I would. Oh yeah, want. I would take PJ. I'd take PJ Matisse. I would take him. Over Matisse, him. even Brandon Clark. Like I, Brandon Clark has been pretty good for the Grizzlies this year. Like I might rather have him. I think I would probably rather have Grant Williams. I mean, what about Dort? Throw I, Dort in there. I'd rather have Dort. Yeah, I would. You know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of guys I would rather have Terrence Mann <laughs> for another one that I would rather have than Daniel Gafford. Oh yeah, I don't even remember if they brought him up. They did uh, like toward toward the end. Oh, okay. they they like tried to sandwich him in like right before they took Dort. Um, um that's a it's a weird exercise. I, I like I always love Sam Bassini, but adding Seth to that conversation just made it real wacky. Yeah, it's almost they almost need like a third real hooper on board who would just be like Kobe white three. Yeah. (laughs) Tyler hero two. Right. RJ Barrett. Number one. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Just, just to balance it out a little bit. Uh, yeah, but that, that performance from Shea specifically in the first half. Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was ridiculous. Like at some point, because you're like, well, what, how does this keep happening? He's doing the same thing. In fact, if you go on NBA.com and rewatch his attempts, yeah, it's the Wizards feed, and oh, yeah. so you, you know you hear like a short little three second audio clip, and it's just over and over again. Oh, another left handed layup, <laughs> and that's a left handed layup, and then he does that like three more times. And the last one, he goes, he is right handed, right? <laughs> it's very funny. It was as if the scattering report was like, don't let him get to his right hand, right? And Shea yeah. was just like, no, I'll just go left and get yeah. there every time. It was it was just good to see him do that because. He had missed so many shots in the past few games short that I was just a little, I don't know. It was it was becoming concerning to me. Like, I just started to wonder, like, is he healthy? You know, it was part of the question that I had about Shea. And he looked a lot better last night. His jumper looked better overall. So that was good. Uh, while Alex goes to take care of his dog, I will answer a question from James Anderson, who says, would you take Matisse Teibel over Dort? He scores like five points per game. I think it's a good question. I think that most NBA smart guys would take Tybal over Dort. But the, I mean, and we as Oklahoma City Thunder fans, we have experienced like what it's like to have a player like Matisse Tybal on your team. And it's Andre Robertson. Like, incredible length, can defend anybody, defends well on ball, off ball, everything and he gives you extreme effort but when the ball hits his hands on the offensive end you can just count on nothing you know and with Dort it's the question like do you want like 20% less defense for like 40% more offense I, I think I would take I think I would take that after watching what it's like to have a guy like Matisse and Andre on the court I think that I would rather have somebody that can do a bit of both because come playoff time, like they had to make Andre the screener and he'd have to make decisions off the short roll. And then you're taking the ball out of like Russ and KD's hands to make that happen. And it just didn't, it just ultimately was not working. And they could have used in that, in that game six game against Clay Thompson and the Warriors, they could have really used one more weapon offensively. And 
Andre was not going to be that guy. So yeah, I, I think that I'm I, would, a, I think I would take Dort. I'm on Stathead right now, looking at the comparison: Robertson versus Tybal, age 24 season, and it is basically the same player. Now, of course, that was the year that Robertson all of a sudden like could quote unquote shoot. He had that was when he hit 31.1 percent of his threes, mm-hmm. and Tybal's currently at 29.3 percent. But like you go across the board, it is very similar yeah like everything there and it's that's a great player to have if you have the right players around him and the thunder don't i'm not willing to add a a non-shooter next to shea and giddy like i don't want to do that and dort's not a non-shooter he's just not a good shooter like tybal is a non-shooter robertson was a non-shooter like he won't shoot it and if he does I mean, we've seen everybody's seen the play where Chris Paul completely turns his back on Andre. Just like I literally do not care that you're going to shoot it, and it's a mental thing with him. It was a mental thing with Robertson. I don't. I haven't watched Matisse enough to say that I I know that it's a mental thing for him, but it becomes a mental thing for a lot of players like that, and that's why like the comments that you get from Dort and from Giddy specifically. I asked Josh about his three point shot the other night. And the fact that Josh is like, listen, like the three-point shot for me is just confidence. It's like almost like pure confidence. He's like, last season at the, with the NBL, it it was tough for me, and I let it get to me mentally. He said, this season, he's like, I'm just letting it fly. He said, if I make it, I don't think about it. If I miss it, I don't think about it. So like that that was a very like that's a very good indicator, honestly, that unless you, that you just keep shooting it. He doesn't think about it unless he hits it over Davis Bertans. Then it yeah. seems like he thinks about it a little bit. <laughs> he was awesome last night. Josh was. Yeah, he was great. That was it. Was one of the better performances that we've seen from Giddy this season. He finished with eighteen points, eight assists, six boards, two steals. He was two of six from three. He was re- he was really good. I think that that's. I think that people need to to take notice. And he's on a hot streak with his shooting. It will cool off. He will have a stretch where he doesn't shoot the ball as well. But the fact that he just continues to shoot it, like it just makes it just makes me feel feel so much better about him. Because if he were just taking like one three a game, and he was record scratching those threes, or if he was noticeably just not taking the open shot, like those things are those things are very concerning to me. You know, after watching this Thunder team tried to develop so many different shooters over the years and guys that came in that needed to learn to shoot. I think that one of the biggest things is just having a willingness to do it. And if you don't have the willingness and you have like this mental block, I think Ferguson got the mental block, obviously Robertson that we talked about got that, you know, I I feel like the chances of you actually getting over that is like very slim. I think that that's mentally is, is the hardest hurdle. Yeah, just seeing, watching him manufacture points, like however he can get it, is just yeah. very reassuring. Mm-hmm. Because you could totally imagine a scenario, especially given some of the players that have come through Oklahoma City, a player like him, who's so good at passing, just kind of focusing on that and only scoring when he absolutely needs to. And that's not what he's doing. Like, he's he's got that alpha in him. He is trying to be aggressive. Yeah. Even when it doesn't look amazing, like (laughs) with his handle, like when he's trying to get to the paint, he's still like trying and being aggressive with it. Like he, he has no lack of confidence whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Trey Mann last night had obviously a a big time highlight play. what, What did you think of that pass? Like we can talk, still talk about Giddy in this moment because the pass that Giddy threw to Trey, it was in the air for so long, and when he initially threw it, I was like, "What's he doing?" You know, like that was my first thought when the plays just started happening, and it goes up, and it really was. I mean, if you haven't watched the video that Royce did with the Thunder, go, <coughs> excuse me, go watch that because it was really good, and it kind of got you in the mind of of Josh, and it was like the exact example of that because it was a pass that a quarterback would throw, you know. To, to yeah. lead him to the basket at an alley-oop. I mean, there's very, very few players in the league that would even try that, and Josh is one of them. And on the flip side, it's also, like, now we've seen Trey Mann have, like, a highlight dunk prior to that. Yeah. 
But still, coming into the year, I wasn't thinking that the player on the other side of that pass was going to be Trey Mann. No, he and honestly, he might he he and Wiggins and maybe Roby. Is that the list? Well, Bay Bay's good. Bay's good. Finish sure. that off. All right. Yes, Darius Baisley. May, may, is that the list though? Like that's the list of of oopers of guys who could actually finish that play. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Dort can get up that high. No, because uh, Mark even said it the, after the first Trey Man dunk. I asked him about it, and he said that he did it in uh, in practice one day, and he said, I actually think that we can draw up lob plays for him. And I think wow. that that was one. I think that that's one that they have tried to execute, and there it was. It was really, that was a really, really fun sequence there. And then just watching Trey cook, like his... His stat sheet always looks worse than his game. <laughs> like he, I don't know. He just, I guess his his good plays are just really loud. But he was, you know, one of five from three, four of eleven overall. Like that's not great. Um, that that's one. He's because somebody uh, tweeted at. I think both of us yesterday said, "Is Trey Man an NBA smart guy?" And I would say he's not yet because you really do have to watch him. Like Kenrich, you can just go look at like advanced stats and oh. see like, oh, this guy is like sticking out. He's incredible on yeah. this bad team. Trey Mann's not going to be like that. One, because he's just not that kind of player, but also he's a rookie. So like the chances that his advanced stats are going to be good is pretty small regardless. Yeah. But he's also not putting up like crazy stat lines. Like mm-hmm. you really do have to watch him game to game to see these real flashes and that's why he he's probably not going to catch on as that type of guy yeah. for a while. Yeah. And you know, this next off season will be a pretty big one for him. I think that he needs to focus on <laughs> Mark has been saying this lately. He's been saying guys bodies are underdeveloped and he's saying that he has an underdeveloped body. Mm. And that uh Poku is also underdeveloped. We were a- asking him about the the G League last night. Uh, and he was talking about how his body is underdeveloped. It's just, a, I don't know. I've just <laughs> never heard anybody talk that way about NBA guys. Um, but yeah, I think this this offseason is, is a big one for Trey. Um, another guy I want to give a shout out to is Darius Baisley, who I thought had one of his better games this season. Coming yeah. off the bench, still played 30 minutes. Yep. But had that awesome block on Corey Kispert. Bro. Or even Kispert was just smiling because mm-hmm. he knew it was embarrassing. But he, he did get a block back. He, I think he blocked Giddy later in the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's cool because a month or two ago, we were talking about Baisley for this exact reason. We were saying if he could just play his role, do the things that he's good at, we could imagine a scenario where he sticks on this team. And since that, since they moved him to the bench, like he's largely been that player. He's still mm-hmm. up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, he had, he hit two of four threes last night. You don't know. I mean, you don't expect that to keep up. And obviously, when he hits two of four threes, it's going to look really good in terms of his overall night. But he's just doing more things that you want him to be doing. And as just as an example of this, I looked up his numbers in the restricted area. So as a starter this season, this is just for this season. Prior to coming off the bench, so as a starter, he was shooting 50% in the restricted area, which is bad. Bad. Terrible. Yeah. Since December 15th, which is when they moved him to the bench, so it's been about a month now, he's bumped that all the way up to 57.1%. Okay. Which is f- still not like amazing. It's not like Shea levels, it's but it's, impro- it's improving. Yeah. And I think it's because you're seeing less of those drives that are just these like weird herky-jerky drives that you know aren't going to end well most of the time. They work about 50% of the time and they always end up in the restricted area and he's not doing those as much. He's getting way more. But Actually, I shouldn't say he's getting way more. Mm-hmm. It's just because he's cut those out, the plays that he is getting are more of like the cutting plays or the transition plays yeah. that we know he's really good at. Yeah, he's Because he is a very good finisher like yeah. in transition as a cutter. Yeah, we, we just mentioned he's one of the few guys who can like really throw down a dunk on this team. Mm-hmm. So I'm just happy with where Baze is right now, and and I think he still can develop in that role. Yeah, don't dribble, don't dribble. Who cares? Straight line drive if you're going to dribble, right? Yeah, this is. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's it's the Jeremy Grant plan. You know. Yeah, it just took a while to get there. 
which is fair because it's like, let's see what he has. You know, there may be untapped potential here. And I yeah. do feel like they gave him a fair shot in the second half of last year where he was kind of the man mm-hmm. at the end of the season mm-hmm. in terms of usage. And then the beginning of this season, we got to see a lot. We got a lot of tape on what Bays looks like as a primary initiator. And I think the team is now kind of bringing it back, mm-hmm. saying, hey, why don't we focus on these other things? And now you're watching him and you're like, oh, this energy big off the bench. It's a really good shot blocker, really good rebounder. Yeah. If he, Now it's like if he can make you know, some corner threes, like you're ready to go. You're off and running mm-hmm. and you don't because you're not even worrying about that other stuff mm-hmm. that he will sometimes waste time with. So I'm happy with base right now. Would you give him an extension this summer? I don't know about that, Andrew. I'm out. I want to go too crazy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it probably doesn't matter with our cap. Yeah. But uh, so so if it's like a fair deal, I guess sure. Um, I, I don't know how who they draft will impact that at all or not. Yeah. Um, because if you bring in someone like Paolo Bencaro, uh, you probably aren't going to be playing Bays a ton unless he really bulks up and you suddenly feel comfortable playing him at the five. Mm-hmm. So if you're bringing him back as like a 10 to 15 minute energy big off the bench and you land a Palo or a Jabari Smith, like, yeah, that, that would be fine with me. I don't know if that's what Bayes wants, though. Mm-hmm. What's a fair extension for him? Let's say he plays like this 82% of the time the rest of the season. <sighs> I mean, I'd be willing to go higher just because if it's like a shorter deal. Yeah. So even if it was like something like three for twenty million, like it whoa, just, okay, that's that, that's what I'm saying. Like it just really wouldn't matter because like the the contract next year doesn't matter. They're still going to have trouble reaching the salary floor. Yeah, I was saying. So like, I felt like I said in my head three for fifteen. Yeah, that's what I was originally going to say until I had the idea that like, oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I would do that. That's not what I would want to offer. But if it came out. And OKC has signed Darius Baisley to extension. I wouldn't freak out about it. Yeah, yeah. If he plays like this, then I think you should extend him because having a versatile defender off the bench, I think, is important. You know, it is. Which brings me to another conversation, which is let's have our second version of this conversation because it appeared to work last time <laughs> when we talked about what we'd like to see Bays. Yeah as Lou Dort, who had a end-of-game play run for him last night to generate a wide-open above-the-break three. Yeah, he did. It was, it was so funny. I haven't laughed out loud in a while at a Thunder game, but for <laughs> a play to be run like that expertly, oh. get, generate such a good shot, and then for it to end in an air ball, there was just something very humorous about it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I already tweeted this, but you know, after we did our live show, there are some Thunder people who, who listen to us who are not on Twitter. God bless them. Yeah. Very smart people. But I just wanted to bring up this stat again. Lou Dort's three-point shooting. His rookie season, 29.7%. Mm-hmm. First 14 games of last year, his sophomore season, 43.6%. Remember that? I remember it. What a Very ride well. that was. Oh, yeah. The rest, the rest of last season, 38 games. 31.5%, and now through however many games we are now, this season, 30.9%. Outside of those 14 games, Lou Dort has basically been the same guy. Mm-hmm. Even though we tell ourselves, oh, he's gotten so much better at shooting, he's basically been a 30 to 31% shooter this entire time mm-hmm. outside of those 14 games. Sure. Now, something to make you feel a little bit better. What about Dort from the corners? That has changed. Mm -hmm. Rookie season, 31%. Last year, Mm 44.2%. This year, 43.5%. You can imagine a scenario, a role for a player like Dort, Mm -hmm. good, point of attack defender, Mm -hmm. hitting some corner threes, attacking a closeout every once in a while. That sounds like a really good player. And, frankly, was kind of his role his rookie season. Yeah, It's just with the roster turnover, he obviously took on more in the same way that Bays did and has turned into something that I just don't think he is. Mm-hmm. Because if you go on NBA.com backslash stats, you look at the top 50, top 50 players in the league in terms of three-point attempts per game. First of all, 
Dort is shooting the 21st highest number of three-pointers per game. He's like at 7.7 or something. No one in that top 50 is shooting a worse percentage than Lou Dort. Yeah. Top 50. Now, if you expand it to 75, then you introduce guys like Shea, who is shooting worse. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Beal, who's shooting worse. Jason Tatum, I think, is shooting worse. So there are like good players who are shooting worse than Dort, but in that top 50 of just three-point attempts per game, he is number 50 right now. Mm-hmm. He is not... At least he's a not an above-the-break three-point shooter. Yeah. And I, to be fair to Dort, like... Very few guys are like that's a tough shot typically, and not only that, but like not very many guys on this Thunder roster are that type of a player. Yeah, but I was still surprised that that play was run for him because if even if you run that play, obviously if you run it for like Mascala, everyone's like, oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Even if they had run it for Trey Mann and he misses, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, that makes sense. It was just and obviously if they ran it for Shea, which I think we were all expecting. It makes sense, even though he's not shooting well, because you know Shea's the guy. But for it to be run for Lou Dort, who is n- shooting twenty eight point six percent above the break this year, it was just very strange. And and Mark afterwards said that was the play. Mm-hmm. So they did decide to do that. It was for whatever a decision. Reason. I think the reason is that they love draft picks. Anything? Andrew, you don't you don't you dare accuse Mark of tanking. I'm not accusing him of tanking. I just think that he. I mean, you don't think Mark knows the uh, the percentages? Uh, it, that's what I'm saying. Of course he does. Like he's a smart guy. He knows that Dort isn't a good three point shooter. Yeah. You, even though we're, he's taking you know seven a game. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I just thought it was a very strange end of play and similar to Bay's. And it, it might not be possible this year because there just aren't enough guys on this yeah. roster. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, you would like to see Dort in a role that more fits his skill set. Yeah. Because him taking seven threes a game does not fit his skill set at all. Yeah. I mean, this is where having another shooter or somebody even... I mean, I think having lots of initiators, this is where like I don't think having Jaden Ivey on this team would be like the worst thing ever. Because then it would just be like, hey, Dort, you're a, you're in the corner and you're attacking closeouts and you're taking corner threes. And we have these three attackers, you know. Yeah. And as a result, his defense would probably look better. Because, again, it's very hard for me to judge defense. But I had heard people, both in Thunder Twitter and elsewhere, saying like, oh, Dort's defense looks a little off this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to think about that. But then you go to like 538 and you look at their Raptor mm-hmm. and – Dort has been incredible in defensive Raptor his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. And now I think he's either negative or like close to neutral, which I just thought was very interesting that yeah. it's kind of fitting that narrative that you're hearing. Meanwhile, the Thunder outside of these last few games have been a relatively good defensive team. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was a little bit interesting. And maybe if he was in that kind of a role, a more mm-hmm. limited role, mm-hmm. you, you would see that defensive improvement because he wouldn't have the offensive load that he's carrying right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, adding a guard would not be obviously ideal for this team. It would not. Um, But I can see, I can see a world where it would work because you do have just so many funky players on the court. So, um, so much funky players. I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't hate it at all. Um, Let's take a look at the tankathon standings. Uh, Let's first take a quick break and then we'll take a look at the tankathon standings. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And we're back from that quick break. Hey, before you before you get to the tankathon, yeah, can yeah. I read can I read the stories? Oh, please do. So uh, I got a DM this morning from a down to dunk listener, uh, Dennis Todman, and he got to sit courtside last night, uh, which is very cool. And he he just he said that you know he he had some he had some thoughts. He didn't know who to share them with, so he sent them to me. But he told a story that I thought was very funny. <laughs> now, I may disagree with this first sentence here, okay? But we can talk about it. He says, I think we may have a bit of a giddy Shea problem. I could feel a little tension there on several occasions. And on one play, when Giddy held the ball a little too long on the wing, Shea looked visibly miffed waiting on a kickout. He eventually yelled, Joshua, to get the ball, which was hilarious and is what I started calling <laughs> Giddy every time he was in the corner by me. Joshua. <laughs> but see, I would argue him calling him Joshua indicates that they are friends. Yeah. Because if yeah, they were yeah. just like if they were just like workplace buddies, like no real relationship, you would just mm-hmm. call him Josh. Yeah, calling him Joshua, you're kind of you're, it's kind of like an exasperated like thing you would say to your friend, like Joshua. You know, <laughs> I actually think that shows that maybe there's a little more chemistry there. I'd go the other way. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. It is really funny. That's <laughs> I've never even heard anybody call him Joshua. I know. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome i actually really like that yeah so maybe we can start calling him joshua when we're mad at him yeah joshua he also said uh this is dennis speaking that uh he's he lives in dc so he's got to watch a lot of bradley beal up close he has a lot of swagger and respect but in his opinion it's so clear that he's not a guy you build a franchise around in dennis's opinion shea is a building block shea is that guy mm-hmm. he, he just thinks that like he said he's the best player on the court and he knows it. He has incredible respect from the other team and the refs. He oozes all the qualities you want to see from a franchise cornerstone. So I thought that was a very nice thing uh, for Dennis to say about Shea. Wanted to pass those along. Yeah, there's there's been a little, uh, I don't know, people have been more down on Shea lately. And it's obviously been because of the shooting stuff. And I get it. I think it's a combination of the shooting stuff, but also like really being entertained when Giddy is running the team. Sure. And wanting to see a little bit more of that. And as you start to go there in your brain, well, what does that mean? That either means Shea needs to play more off ball or Shea needs to not be there. And so, and it doesn't seem like he's doing a lot off ball. So I get how people end up there. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not there yet. You know, they 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 basically just started playing together. Yeah. Um and if Giddy can shoot and Shea gets back to anything close to what he was last year, I think a lot of those concerns are alleviated. Yeah. I will say, though, on this larger conversation about Dort, because, like, like, obviously, Michele brought it up about the idea, like, can you really build around three average to bad shooters? Mm-hmm. And maybe Shea ends up being a good shooter. I, I would... I kind of agree with that. On the other hand, flip it around. Like if Dort wasn't on this team and your backcourt is Giddy and Shea, like all of a sudden you have some serious concerns defensively. Definitely. And you def- you definitely need some better defenders around them. Mm-hmm. So there's a trade-off either way. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm at the point where I would not be shocked if they traded Dort, I, but I would definitely be a little surprised. I'd be pretty shocked. Would you be sh- I guess I'd be pretty sure if you if you got a notification from Shab Sharani the Thunder have traded Lugan's door. See, be, I I, I would be. say a week ago, yes, I would be shocked. But now that we've like talked about it, it's in it's out in the ether. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm mentally prepared for it, even though it would still surprise me. I'd be I'd be pretty shocked. You'd be if, shocked. I, if I asked Mark about that yesterday. About Are you trading Dort? <laughs> hey, Mark, if you had to trade one player in the starting lineup. And Mark, uh, what do you think about this fake trade? Who says no? Let's play around with the trade machine, Mark. Now, I asked him what he thought about the fit. Of, I said, now you've had half a season to, to evaluate the fit of Shea, Gideon, Dort. Like, what do you think of it? And he said that he feels very optimistic about the fit. He said the one thing that he's mo- that makes him feel most optimistic is that there is no ego between the three of them. 
that they all really want each other to succeed and that like relationally there's nothing getting between those guys uh and then he just talked about like their work ethic and he said obviously like there's some like shooting he didn't say this but he kind of inferred that like yes it's not working wonderfully and like the numbers bear that out but he said that he feels optimistic that it can work just because those guys are willing to make it work which i don't know we've seen a lot of situations that have you know had players that are unwilling to do stuff so i don't know i i just also think that they just need more time i think that this using you know 40 games to evaluate a fit is just not enough, especially when the guys are so young. And we just don't really even know what like their ultimate NBA destiny is yet, you know, for, right. for any of the three. So I would give it more time. I think that, I mean, you laid this out yesterday. The The contract that they could give Dort during this season is a no-brainer, do it, you know, no matter what. Even if you don't think that Dort's a long-term fit, you do the extension, you know, yeah, and it's around four years, fifty-five million. What they could offer him in March, apparently. Yeah, that would be perfect. Great, sign it. Like I would push, and maybe Dort's agent would sign it because he signed such a terrible deal last time. <laughs> um, I would do it. I would absolutely do it. The problem is, I just think that he's worth way more than that on the open market. So if I if his agent has wised up a little bit, he will know that he needs to push push this out further. And so I would just rather have more time, honestly, before you make like a like a real decision. And like signing like that 3 year 55 is not a, that's not a decision. Like you just do it, you know. Yeah, and if if he doesn't want to sign that, I think my next preference would be letting him go to restricted free agency this summer because there's not a lot of teams with cap space and if you let if you don't do that you just play it out next year and he becomes unrestricted free agent Mm -hmm. we don't know what the landscape will look like maybe it'll be just as bad as it is this summer where there's not a lot of teams with cap space but you we don't know right now or i haven't looked ahead that far at least this summer you know that it would be very hard for a team to offer him that much yeah i I would still let it play out, honestly. I think why? I don't. You could just lose him. I don't think they would lose him. But you could. I think. Why why would you even allow that possibility? I think because it just allows you more flexibility. In some respects, but in another respect, like we talked about the cap, like their cap space, they're still going to have a ton next year. Yeah. So you would get that first year in a year where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it, it will give you some room on the back end, depending on what you want to do with that space. Yeah. I mean, they did the same thing with Jeremy. You know, they let it ride with Jeremy Grant and then resigned uh, him. And then traded him. And then traded him. Yeah. But they let him get to unrestricted free agency. Did they? Know. And then they signed him? I guess I don't remember that. Yeah. 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 It was the, the Paul George signing day they signed on the same day oh yeah yeah i mean i guess if you were if you were confident but it's just i would feel extremely confident it still seems scary as a small market you've you've built this guy up from undrafted rookie into something that is going to have some value Mm -hmm. whenever he becomes available and just the potential to lose that is scary yeah for nothing for nothing you know obviously if they got something back yeah no i get it I get it. I don't know. Honestly, I honestly don't have a feel for what they'll do with Dort. My guess is that he'll be around, though. So. Um, okay, you want to look at uh, where Tankathon is right now? Yeah, let's take a look at where, where we're at. with. It was a good and bad day last night. Because on yeah. the one hand, some of these teams right above us are winning. Mm-hmm. Like Portland has won two of their last couple of games. They beat the Nets. Yeah. They beat the Hawks. Yeah. And then uh Brandon Ingram hit a game winner last night oh. to get another win for the Pelicans. Which they're the really they're the actual scary team. Yeah, they are a scary team. Yeah, the Thunder have a little bit of breathing room now. They are uh one and a half games ahead of Indiana and New Orleans. <laughs> it doesn't Gosh. sound that good, does it? Well, it's just I can't believe Indiana 
is like this snake bitten at Dude, the end of games. It's it's bad. It's bad. They need. I mean, no offense to Lance Stevenson, but they need to get their guards back. Um, but yeah. So OKC after this recent, I mean, they've lost five in a row. They've they've if you know made a little cocoon for themselves yeah, between I mean, the third and fifth spot. This is kind of where I think they'll end up. You know, as long as Houston doesn't like go on some kind of winning streak or something like that, I think they'll end up in this. I think this is where they'll be. Come draft time is the fourth spot, and you need a lot of luck <laughs> from there. You, you know, do. You take although, a few quick spins and like. It's gone down more than it has gone up. Oh, it just got the first pick. That would be cool. Who would you, who would you take at, at number one if you got it today? Chet. You still take Chet. I like it. Still take Chet. Uh, you know, Detroit, they've won four of their last ten. Mm-hmm. They've actually won four of their last six, I believe. It's just their record in their last ten is four and six. Although they lost last night, so maybe not. Um, I'm not saying they're going to catch us, but it's just nice to see one of those bad teams starting to put some things together. Cade's, Cade's looking good, and they're doing it all without Jeremy Grant, yeah. which we, we expect them to trade Jeremy Grant yes. pretty soon. So that's not really a factor. Like They're doing it with him without and, him already. And Kelly Olenek's coming back. Oh, yeah, and he was really good at the beginning of the year, so that's something. That will, I mean, honestly, that will help Cade so much. It's similar to like having Mike Muscala out there for Shea and Giddy. You know? Right. I mean, I was looking at two-man lineups yesterday, and Every two-man lineup with with Muscala and um, Kenrich are positive. Yeah, you know, like all of them are. And he, Giddy, and Muscala is like one of the only positive lineups, two-man groups with Josh, uh, which is just interesting. And then looking at the three-man groups, the there's like I think the the top five all include Kenrich or Mike, all of them. I think there's only one that doesn't, and it's. Shea, Dort, and Wiggins. You didn't have you group. didn't have any doubts though last night because that was kind of like a version of a pull the lever team because Kenrich was not there and they still looked pretty good. They against a Wizards team without Bradley Beal. Yeah, the Wizards suck though. They do suck. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, and they still <laughs> they lost to that team. Yeah, but and they had their guys. <laughs> Yeah, but this, we still got four games left against the Blazers. Those are important games. Uh, yeah, it's weird they haven't played the Blazers yet. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I know I'm trying to get tickets. It's so weird. Uh, I guess it's a Friday night game. That's why it's more expensive. But tickets were much cheaper in Oklahoma City. Even though if you listen to Blazers podcast, like no one's excited right now. Mm-hmm. Um, no one is like dying to go to these games, but yeah. they're still charging a premium. How much are they? Too much. You won't more say. than I want to spend. You won't say. But I mean, I, I refuse to I refuse to sit in Loud City. Yeah. I just don't want to. Yeah. If I'm gonna go to a game. Uh, so I'm looking at like minimum like 75, which of course on SeatGeek is really like a hundred. Yeah, yeah. 
That is that is a lot <laughs> that, to see. That a, feels thunder. Feels too much to watch Anthony Simons. <laughs> see a Thunder Blazers game. That's quite quite a bit. So I'm holding out. I'm going to hold out to the day of. <laughs> oh no. Yeah i I feel pretty good about where the Thunder are at. Do you feel? Are you feeling better about where they're at as far as like staying at four? Uh, definitely feeling better than I was like two weeks ago. Uh, well, like after that Knicks game, I mean, they beat the Knicks by like 15. Yeah. Yes. It was at home, but you're like, wow, like they, they looked really good in that game. Uh-huh. Yes. I know the Knicks are bad, but still, and then those back-to-back losses to the Timberwolves. I mean, I didn't bet on it, but I wanted to bet on the second game because I thought that yeah. first game, you know, outside of the first quarter, they were right there with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I was going into that Friday game. I was like, here it comes. This is obviously going to be a thunder win. And then they lose by 20. <sighs> and, and so that felt different back to back close games though, against Denver and Washington, their upcoming schedule starting to get a little bit tougher. Yeah. Like we got at Brooklyn, Cleveland at home at Dallas, who's playing really well at San Antonio at Charlotte at Cleveland, yeah. Chicago. So that's the next seven games. Yeah. You know they could easily go one and six or yeah. two and five or zero and seven or zero and seven. I didn't want to say it. I it's, didn't want to say it, but it's possible. It is possible. Those are tough. Those Cleveland is tough. Dallas is tough. San Antonio is the one that you think they could get. Maybe they could get Charlotte. But even that, like that's four road games in a row. So it's it's just it's a hard schedule just by itself. It is. Yeah. And then you come to a stretch where now's the important games like yeah. Indiana. Portland, Dallas, Portland, Sacramento. Those are like, that's that, that to me. Stretch. That to me is the most important stretch of the season. Because after the after that, it gets really tough. Golden State, Toronto, Philly, Chicago, Knicks, San Antonio, Phoenix. Yeah. It's and it's funny. I, I don't know why this happened, but they end the season again against the Clippers. I know. Which uh, the great great lead in. We should bring this up. Yeah. Uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report said about the Clippers, they're pretty much open for business for anyone except their main guys and Terrence Mann, one Western Conference official, told Jake Fisher, I think they are really, really are fine falling out of the playoffs and regrouping for next year. I think they're trying to shed the Marcus Morrises of the world, guys that have some value and maybe can replace with younger talent, maybe cheaper contracts to free them to get someone else this summer. Which... First of all, is what they should do. Like the picks lost, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, and, and as a as a sidebar, he also reported that the Clippers are operating as if Paul George isn't coming back this season, which that's very important because if he's not coming back, there's really no reason to bring Kawhi Leonard back. Mm-hmm. And so you can very quickly get to okay, we just need to prepare for next season instead of like running this out and desperately trying to make the playoffs so that we can maybe get Kawhi back in April or something. That's very exciting, obviously, to Thunder fans' ears. We'll see if they follow through on it. But it's absolutely what they should be doing. Like The Clippers are going to be very, very good if healthy. And if they can shed any salary and potentially add some piece, even if it's like a mid-level exception guy this summer, that's what they should be focusing on. So if they can get off of some of these bigger contracts – in some way, like do it, do it already. <laughs> it's a great idea. You should do it. Yeah, and I mean, it'd be really funny if the Thunder were a team that was like, "Yeah, we'll take Serge Ibaka." I know. So he said, shedding Ibaka's nine point seven million salary alone would save the Clippers over forty million dollars in tax penalties. Hey, we'll do it. We'll yeah, bring I him think, back. I think we'll- you guys are up for another pick that you can trade. <laughs> I think you can do 2028 now. Hey, will you take the protections off? Oh, you already did. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe I guess they can't turn a swap into a pick. But yeah, we can go out to 2028. We'll take your 2028 unprotected first round pick because we're literally saving you 40 million dollars. 40 million bucks. Think about that. And you get a a, a Baca back in a Thunder uniform. Like that's cool. Sure. I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, is he gonna? play that much at all no 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 no. he's not but that would be kind of cool you don't think it would be why not why Uh, don't you think that would be cool no yeah i I guess it'd be cool i I don't know i'm not i just don't think like i wouldn't be surprised if he never appeared in a thunder uniform if we traded for him oh he'd want to oh come on he would want to at least give, give us a few games 
I mean, do you remember how it ended, Andrew? He wanted to be the man. I he, I do. They tra- yeah, and they traded him. Yeah, he wanted out of there. He wanted to go prove his worth next to uh, Nikola Vucevic. And who was the other big guy they had at that time? Oh, uh, Bismack Biombo. That's great. It was great. Yeah, that was yeah, that was weird. But I would I'd welcome it. I'd like to see Serge Ibaka back back in OKC. So that, that's great news for the Thunder. The bad news is that they beat the Nuggets last night, despite only scoring 28 points in, in the, the first world? half. What in the world are the Nuggets doing? Man? They came all the way back and won by two, which is just annoying because they so annoying. I, I think it's going to be hard for them to catch the really bad teams. Like it, if you look at the standings right now, no one wants the tenth seed. I mean, I guess the <laughs> the Kings do oh, want the tenth I think, seed. I think there are multiple teams that want the tenth seed. But I know that Portland doesn't. How do you know that? You, like everything they're doing, literally everything they're doing what right they, now. What are they doing? They're they're going. They're trying to lose. They're trying. They are tanking. They're just not very good at it. You think so? Oh yeah, we're we're you're, there's going to be the dames getting surgery report like yeah. very soon. Yeah, yeah. And CJ's not going to play another game for the Blazers this season. Yeah. It's, and I bet they trade at least one. I I almost guarantee they will trade Robert Covington because we've already heard reports that multiple teams are interested, and there's no reason to keep him on that Blazers team. And if they can get anything for Nurkic, I bet they will trade him as well. I don't think you can get anything for Nurkic. Probably not. So. New Orleans, you know, they. I mean, David Griffin probably does want to make the tenth spot. Definitely, make him, without make him look slightly better. Sacramento for sure. Oh yes. Spurs, Spurs, yes, but also Spurs. Who cares? Spurs, yes, they do want it. I know, but all of these teams, and I'm leaving Portland out of this. They're f- already five games back of the Clippers. <laughs> five games back, the Clippers, who aren't good and are in the eighth seed right now. Yeah. All those teams are five games back. So it's going to take a big turnaround from one of those teams, which, hey, maybe the I, Kings trade for Ben Simmons. I think San Antonio, Sacramento, and the Pelicans really do want to be there. I know they do. The, the Spurs are just infuriating. Yeah. They've lost. They've lost. Oh, my gosh. It's way worse than I thought. They've won one of their past eight games. And they've played well in those games. Like they, I mean, they took Brooklyn to overtime. On Sunday, like they yeah, they played good in that game. Yeah, they lost to the Pistons, man. They did lose to the Pistons. So did the Jazz. <sighs> yeah, but without everyone, but still bad. Yeah, still bad. Losing still to the bad. Pistons. I don't care what the circumstances are. If you lose to the Pistons, they, well, the Jazz can't play without Rudy Gobert. They have they have no Plan B. You don't think Hassan Whiteside is a good Plan B? There's been a lot of like Hassan Whiteside buzz, or at least there was. Uh, See. I've actually been impressed because I've been reading some jazz articles lately and it feels like not that the fan base is turning against them, but the fan base is having a very real like look in the mirror. This team isn't a contender talk yeah. with themselves. Yeah. Which I think is healthy because that's the way I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you do. There's not, a, they don't have a ton of flexibility or young players or anything like that, that they could offer up to somebody. Uh, Jared Butler. I like Jared Butler. I probably like him more than everybody else, though. <laughs> <laughs> I like him a lot. It's so funny how, like, there is literally a guy on Twitter for every single rookie. Yeah. So, like, anytime any of them do good, some random draft guy on Twitter will tweet out, like, yep, this is what I was seeing coming into the draft. <laughs> Buckets. <laughs> And you see it for like every single rookie. Like not all of these guys are going to be good. <laughs> yeah, that's it's true. There's too, there's too much positivity, Andrew. There's a lot of positivity. I don't know. I'll take positivity. You love it. I do. I'll eat it up. I I, that's why it. I really only like following teams in crisis because they they put out the best podcasts. Like that's that's when fans are interesting. Yeah, when they're forced to confront, like especially, I mean, Kings fans are kind of like the, their oh, own little the, world. It's the constant, yeah. They're they've been confronting themselves. They they've just been looking hard in the mirror for you know fifteen years. But like Celtics right now, the Celtics are a great one. I've been listening oh. to some, some Celtics pods. Oh, it's so painful. 
And I, and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Steve Jones on the dunker spot mm-hmm. had like an extended segment on the Celtics. Yeah. Kind of like he, he was defending Ime Udoka, basically saying like, this is a roster issue. What do you yeah. really want him to be doing? Yeah. And I just thought it was an interesting conversation because I think it's very easy for fans to just immediately go to the coach and say, why fix this? Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? But they need to make changes and their GM is, uh, has not been a GM before. This is his first time being a GM. Yeah, they're they they need an they need a lead guard. They need a lead guard. Uh, prediction, Andrew. Do you have any predictions for trade deadline? I know it's early, but I want to get mine out there. Juancho Hernan Gomez will be a Thunder Thunderman very soon. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's that's that's kind of a no brainer for. I the think Celtics. that. Ha- that- it's it's so no brainer that it it has to be said. It's so obvious. It would get them below the tax line. Yeah. It's we we have done a ton of deals with the Celtics in yeah. the past. I was gonna say Sam Sam and Brad Stevens are close. You know, I, and, like and you could imagine it for deal. a second round pick. Like it doesn't even it wouldn't even be something crazy. Um yeah, just to take six million. What picks do they have? Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Do they have any fun ones? They have a 2023 have a, second round. They have a 2023 Portland second rounder. Ooh, yeah, give us that. Yeah, I take that. Give me that. Mm, yummy. Done. Called in. We can get another Aaron Wiggins. Oh, but, uh, th- I mean, in that position, that's going to be a high 30s pick, Andrew. That's true. You like? Do you like Aaron Wiggins? you have any feelings or thoughts on Aaron Wiggins? Uh, recently, no. I mean, it, uh, nothing he's done recently has ch- changed me drastically one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I still uh, like him. I, I like the idea of him as like future Kenrich, um, plus minus King, you know, mm-hmm. I'm down with all that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm still trying to be a little hesitant. In fact, uh, this was an interesting question. I was on combos court. Yeah. Uh, that's the name of his podcast, but he asked me, who? How would you rank these three players on the Thunder in terms of like, you know, you keep the first guy, bench the second guy, yeah. the third guy, whatever. And it was uh, Wiggins, JRE, Trey Mann, which I hadn't really thought of the, about those guys in comparison with each other. Yeah, and they've all kind of had their different peaks throughout the season. Like yeah. early in the season, it would have been JRE number one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Then it probably would have been Aaron Wiggins number one. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like it's Trey Mann, number one, mm-hmm. obviously. And so I, I ended up going Trey Mann, Aaron Wiggins, JRE. But I thought it was a fun question because I felt like all those guys deserve number one recognition in that comparison at different points in the season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think JRE is a little underrated. In that well, who would you take him over? Are you taking him over Wiggins? Probably, yeah. You taking him over Trey? I think I put Trey Trey one. I okay. I love the way that Trey plays. We just don't have anybody that plays that like that. Like he's just so much fun. Like offensively, he's got a pretty high ceiling, and it's just really like every Trey man possession is really enjoyable to watch. It is, and his his playmaking in particular, which is something that I just wasn't expecting. I mean, he's had some of these games where he'll have like you know four or five assists. Yeah, and that's just really impressive because coming into the season, I was kind of thinking him purely as like score off the bench out to get his own not really how he has played mm-hmm. honestly to his detriment i mean the team's brought it up like they want him to kind of play that way to mm-hmm. take more of those shots yeah um but the playmaking has been really impressive yeah yeah i've i really like him i don't know what he's going to be as an nba player but he's been really fun okay uh, n- what if i those same three players mm-hmm. now i'm throwing dort into the mix so I, I know what your three is where would you put where would you rank dort now uh, dort number one what over Trey? Yeah. Why? I've just seen Dort do it. You know, seen Dort do it. Seen Dort do it. Sounds <laughs> really bad. Um, I've seen him in the playoffs. I've seen him over the course of. I, I just believe he's like a real NBA player. I, I just I need to see way more of Trey to like say, okay, I believe that Trey Mann can contribute on a playoff team. Like I have no zero doubts about Lou Dort contributing on any playoff team. Like, put him on whatever team I think he'll play. Uh, Trey Mann, 
Well, I, I don't have that confidence. That's a real uh, Daniel Gafford over uh, Tyler Hero pick right there. <laughs> Is <laughs> that's it? What I'm, that's what I'm going to say. Is it? He's the second leading scorer on the team. <laughs> Uh, I get it, Andrew. He's 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 safe. It's the Dre, safe pick. It it's so easy to get caught up though, in like all seriousness. It's so easy to get caught up in what's like new, like the shiny new toy is like a real thing. You know, it's like oh my gosh. But you know, by next year, we may have like this other guy that we take with the the Clippers pick at like twelve or whatever, and. Like, oh man, I just want to see him play more than Trey Mann. <laughs> you know, like we could be having that <laughs> conversation next year because that stuff really does exist, especially with rookies, because it is so hard to gauge how good these guys are. And I think you really find out in year two if they can really be something. Right. You know, I think like Dort, like we've, that's why I would choose him because like we figured out that he's going to be in the league and for a long time. You know, I think we felt, we felt like a lot of certainty with guys like Teo Maladone and even Poku to an extent. Like I'd be almost embarrassed to listen to the things that I said about Poku in the off season, you know, just projecting like improvements here and there. But I think like in the second year, like you really figure out, okay, like are these guys going to be able to stick around in the league? And with Teo and Poku, I mean, I, I probably haven't been at a lower spot with either one of them, you know? So, well, yeah, we, we, I mean, Jay uh, was texting us, and uh, he brought up Ferguson. Yeah, and I was reminding him, and I would, I would like to go back and listen to podcasts of us during Ferguson's rookie year. Oh gosh, um, specifically after the Lakers game. Like, I know we were super high on him. Yeah, um, and even when his shot stopped falling, yeah, he was still showing enough flashes defensively. Yeah on the perimeter oh, where, yeah. we, where we were still very into the idea. And it was all always just a question of like, as soon as his shot comes around, yeah. as soon as he starts making four threes a game, like this is going to be great. And, and it never did happen. And yeah. I, it'd be fun to go back and look at, cause I, I fully admit like Sabonis's rookie year. Like I did not like him. Everybody was out. Everybody was so glad when we traded for Todd Gibson, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like great. Well, we can finally move, move Domas to the bench. You know? I'm trying to remember what did we think of Jeremy Lamb? Was there a period where we were like Jeremy Lamb's a guy? I don't know. I just feel like we weren't as inside as we are now. <laughs> you know, where it's like every and maybe we we're, were obsessing over it as much. Yeah, and we just had so many better players then, though. You know, yeah. where th- those guys were like the sprinkles on the cake at the time. You know, it was like, let's get, let's, let's, hopefully we get, we blow out the, the nuggets or somebody. And then those guys can get in and play where it was like Reggie and Jeremy and PJ three. I was like, there's the future of the thunder. You know, did we ever, did we ever have a Grant Jarrett moment? No, the dude. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, th- I saw him. I know, I, I know him. we had a Houston moment. Oh yeah, we had a Josh Hustis moment. He was, he played well for a few games. Certainly. We probably had a campaign moment. I mean, I remember yeah, being at yes, there was a, his first like breakout game. There was a San Antonio game where he was really good. We definitely had Mitch McGarry moments. Did we have a Samaj moment? <laughs> it would have been in the preseason. We had some. Year. We had some moments, certainly, maybe not positive <laughs> moments, but we had moments with Samaj. <laughs> he played so many minutes. He played so much that year we could really use samash on this team you know <laughs> teo is kind of our samash i wish that you know we could get some minutes for for teo to be he definitely had big time deontay burton moments oh big big time, time. that's cr- actually kind of crazy in yeah. retrospect that's what that's what i'm saying like with wiggins and jre and those guys like let's let's hold back our future thoughts and let's see what they are next year because from year one to year two with Deontay, it was like, oh, crap. <laughs> He's not good. <laughs> you know? And Deontay yeah. had, like, legitimately good moments in year one. I remember remember that game in Houston that they ended up winning, and he defended James Harden on multiple possessions. Mm. And he was like, he contributed. But, like, let's give NBA teams a full year to get a full scouting report on these guys. And from day one... They know what Aaron Wiggins is, and we're going to scheme out what he does. Let's do that. Let's, same with Jeremiah. 
And also give them a year, give those guys a summer to improve. How, how do they use their time? What do they use their time to do? I think that those things are really important, even with Trey. Like, a lot of guys can come in and score the basketball. I mean, there's there's just been guys that have been flashes in the pan. Like, we just don't know. We just don't know what these guys are. Like, give them, let's see what these guys are in year two. You know, Josh is the only one that I'm like, okay, yes. Like, I see it, and I think that this is going to work long term. The other rookies, like, I really like what they've done. But like Alex said, and like that, that text thread, like, just – it just brings forth like so much like truth within it. Like we're, we're with these rookies, we're desperately searching for any sort of positive morsel that we can have. And then we take it and we extrapolate it and it happens all the time. Let's see what they do in year two. Like let's hopefully the c- things continue to develop for these guys and they continue to have good seasons, but let's see what they are in year two. And then I think it's, it's pretty telling for what their careers can look like. And it, and it all comes back to shooting for so many of these guys because, like, Giddy is the one player who can survive in this league even if he never truly develops a shot. Without a doubt, yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know if that's the case for Wiggins. I don't know if that's the case for Jerry. It's definitely probably not the case for Trey Mann. Like, right. Trey Mann's going to need to be a good shooter in this league for him to stick. And I think he can shoot it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I have no doubts about that. But, like, Teo was a great example from last year where, like, he shot 33%, which a lot of guys this year are shooting like a, a right around there lower. Yeah. You're figuring, oh, he comes in. If he bumps that up to 36%, we got something. And now he's shooting like 17%. Yeah. Let's see what they do. Just wait and see. see. What they do. Let's wait and see. S- Summer League is going to be a blast. You should go. You should, you should, we should do live slam hot. and jam. It's too hot. Seriously, you should, you should come it's, to Vegas. It's too hot. It's going to be awesome. We could seriously, we're going to do live athletic NBA shows at Summer League again. And we we got to do Slam and Jam live. I will, I'm very sensitive to heat. You know, the good thing about Summer League is that you spend very little time outside during the day. You're watching hoops all day and then you can go out at night. Going out at night? Do it. Do it. Where are you going out at night? Please. Oh, Frogthar wants a cranberry trail mix review. That's what I'm eating today on the pod. Um, it's solid, but I'll be honest, it's a lot of small pieces, as you can see. I'd really appreciate more big pieces. There's yeah. way too many cranberries, as you can see. Um, so I would love more of the pistachios. Actually, yeah. those are those are something else. But I would love pistachios in here. It needs more flavor, I would say. Just too much cranberry. That's a lot of cranberry. We'll give it a 6 out of 10. It's still pretty good. Still pretty good. Still pretty good. Uh, <laughs> still edible. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for tuning into the pod. Uh, tune into Saturday Slam and Jam. If you don't haven't listened to that, it's on the Athletic NBA Show feed. Drops on Saturday. We're talking about the Bucks this week. Talk about other things NBA related. All right. Have a good one. Talk to you guys again on Friday. <laughs>